0: People are going to lose their minds. This is a moment in history unlike anything humanity's
1: gone through. It's a very different world for humans to come. Take a step back and see the broad picture, which is the way all these technologies are interlinked. Because this is all about exponentiality and humans can't think in exponential terms. How consequential do you want to say machine intelligence is? It's almost certainly as consequential as writing. How long did writing take to disseminate through the human population? You know, hundreds, thousands of years. And we're dealing with it now on a scale of months. But in this kind of world, you're compounding 100% growth every year. And the numbers become astronomical. AI is going to spot patterns in the world that were just completely invisible to us. Even if you think that the AI and the robots are your demise... You might as
0: well bloody invest in them and make some money out of it. If not, you're just going to be angry man shaking your fist at the clouds...
2: Is the Fed about to spook the markets? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing Halloween edition. With me is Tony Greer, editor of the Morning Navigator newsletter. At least I think it's Tony under there. Hey.
3: Maggie, how are (laughs) you today, (laughs) hon?
2: So so some background, Tony threw down the gauntlet, sending us an email this morning saying, everybody better be in costume. That's it. That was the the extent of his email. So we all accepted (laughs) the challenge. So for those of you who are listening on podcast or audio only, I am a pirate, which I thought was appropriate given Real Vision sort of came in pirate ship beginnings. Love it. Our director, Mario, who is a real-life Super Mario, that's what we call him, as you can see, is... Um, donning his namesake, and our producer Brian is, I think, a snowboarding Olympian. That's what I'm going with. Um, and you're Jason. That's Jason, right? To- right, Tony. Did I get it right?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. The best Friday the Thirteenth character ever.
2: The classic. Yeah. All right. Now we all now we all need some pumpkin ale and we're good to go. In fact, I'm I was looking in the chat and I feel like it has a very Friday vibe, people. Like people are people are ready to go. They're they're all excited. So let's let's crack this, Tony. Let's get let's get some market talk in here. So awesome. if we um if we look at across today, so stocks up on the day, at least I didn't check in the last two minutes, but they were. Uh and but third month down, treasury yields flat heading into the Fed meeting, but there's been a lot going on as you and I were just talking about before we came to air. So, what's on your radar as we wait to hear from both the Fed and Treasury on Wednesday?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's the big deal obviously. You know, um that's front of mind with the FOMC meeting tomorrow, um and month end today, you can kind of work backwards into the scenario that we've just seen. Right. We've seen a steep spill in the equity markets to a new low, you know, through the weekend, um, et cetera, et cetera. With the the FOMC tomorrow, we're seeing like, you know, a relief rally for sure off the lows, right? The heavy selling has been done out of the way so that, you know, the prices are all cleared now. Um, and we'll wait to see what happens. But there are some major macro moves going on, right? Number one, the yen is getting freight trained again. The Bank of Japan, um, you know, said they're one percent, bond purchase rate in the 10 year is now flexible or so a reference point rather than, you know, a, a hard line. Um, there's been a three standard deviation implosion to a new low um, in dollar yen in the yen, you know, versus the dollar um, that weakens the yen versus everything, um, you know, strengthens the Aussie dollar. It's really a pretty heavy macro mix that goes on under the under the hood there. Mm. Um, yeah, also in the macro world we're living in the US here through a bear steepener trade so far um where interest rates are going higher and the curve is steepening that's a very important point right now it's was you know we were dealing with it over the summer at you know minus 100 basis points now it's steepening we're down to minus 18 basis points so it's steepening toward the zero boundary potentially through that and the VIX is very sensitive to that So when the VIX sees a steep move higher in the curve, you know people tend to buy insurance on the downside, sell stocks, and that's why we have this bit of volatility that we're dealing with here. So I would say that um, that stuff's really important. Market sentiment is really negative right now, Maggie, right? We're at extreme fear. Um, We're at the point where hedge funds are extremely short, and that's via a JP Morgan note that came out. Um, I think that's important to know. Um, yeah, today we're seeing you know with this relief rally, we're seeing the VIX cascading toward eighteen. So it's really interesting to play the markets. A lot of the individual trades are working. There's a uranium breakout that we can go into, but those are the things on top of my mind that we can go from there.
2: Yeah, I was we, we were actually uh, Brian and I were talking about you because when these things are moving, that's always what you say, and I I think your posture says it all, right? Even though there's this volatility, you have um, max sentiment bearish. I'm, ex- I'm I'm assuming they're extremely short equities. Um, but you'll tell me if it's also bonds. But that's what I uh, th- th-
3: Bonds. You meant bonds? No, equity. I meant equity. Equity. Yeah. They're extremely equity. short stocks right now. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure they're short trend followers are all short bonds three years I'm into figuring, a fair market. Yeah. As
2: well. I'm figuring it probably applies to both. But there's yeah. opportunity, especially for for some shorter people with a shorter term focus. So I'm I'm not surprised to see you um sort of, I don't want to use excited, it's probably not the right word, but like really engaged with the market right now. So um Let's unpack some of that. First of all, with the Fed tomorrow, is that an event or are we just assuming they make new move, no move? Someone in the uh, chat uh, said, I hope they go uh, half a basis point, 50 basis point move. What are, what are you thinking here?
3: You know, I like I don't think about these things, Maggie. I let everybody right. exhaust themselves and punch themselves out. And then, you know, all of that goes down the toilet and we deal with what actually happens tomorrow at the meeting and how the market reacts to that. So- you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to just, you know, go with they're probably going to do nothing. But I would imagine that after, a, you know, 10 percent slide in the stock market that Jerome Powell might have something to say that might be, you know, one of those moments that we've seen a thousand times where the Fed is speaking and the S&P is rifling higher out of a ditch. Right. It won't be the mm-hmm. last time, won't be the first time that happens. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I could see that being the case. Um, stocks are vulnerable on the upside in the extremely short term like we said with everybody short we reached some really serious support levels we're at the 200 day we were you know grazing through the nasdaq's 200 day moving average the same in the s&p i mean you know if we bounce from here from an oversold condition you know just before we figure out what the next move is it wouldn't be shocking at all to me so that's kind of the way I'm postured for stocks. You know, there's a there's a really, like we said, we should talk about the really interesting breakdown and in, uh, breakout in uranium um, today behind Cameco. Um, you know, there's an earnings cloud, you know, mush, or earnings mushroom cloud rally of uh, 7%, which is a two sigma rally. They mm. beat estimates. They tweaked 2023 earnings range higher. The stock's on a seven month winning streak. They said they see tremendous nuclear demand outlook. The um their total industry long-term contracting volumes in 2023 have exceeded the volume of the last 10 years, which is like you know an exciting type of bullet point to be able to drop on a call. So that sector is on fire. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere, and that's one of them.
2: Yeah, and Trillianx asking to that point, would you be buying any dip, uranium dip, after Cameco raised its guidance for 23?
3: You know, it sure looks like. A stock and a sector that wants to erupt from a long-term consolidation on its first moving, you know, set of serious moving average support levels. So we just saw, you know, Chemico and uranium sector, URA, the ETF, you know, literally bouncing off of its 50-day moving average and then, you know, not going far, but forming this really solid range right on the first relevant moving average support level. And now we're getting this good news. The stocks are starting to break away a little bit. Cameco breaking. Well, not chemicals breaking out off that range, not to a new high yet. Mm. But yeah, it feels like, you know, that they want to go. And I feel like it's uh, the price of uranium is going to go anyway. There, There's a shortage right now for sure. All the utilities are trying to hold back and say, we don't want to pay these runaway prices. They're going to have to pay or they're going to have to shut down their reactors. And so for, for base load power. So. You know, I think that there's going to be a scramble at some level there or at least it seems really vulnerable to the upside. Mm. And you know, that that'll be part of the trade and we'll have to navigate it from there.
2: Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing.
0: I think we all know by now. Things are pretty fucked out there for most of us. You see Whether it's currency debasement, rising real estate prices, or wages that never go up, it's really hard. And one of the most popular things we ever did was that series, How to Unfuck Your Future. So we're going to do it again, March 11th, March 22nd. We'll discuss the problems at hand, no holds barred, and then we'll give you all the tips you need to unfuck your future. It just costs a dollar to join Real Vision to get access to all of this content, go to Realvision.com forward slash the future. I'll see you there. Let's unfuck your future together.
2: So, and this is what everyone's been waiting for, right? There's been the, the sort of fundamentals on paper have looked good, but it's been hard to get any action happening in that uranium space. By the way, uh, for those of you who may have missed it, or if you missed yesterday's daily briefing, Doomburg was on. I know you were chatting with him right before we went on. Um, and he made a really interesting point that he thinks that supplying the data centers, just the power needed to run AI, is going to be also part of the scenario that kind of breaks the opposition to nuclear, um, because it's just the tech needs are so powerful and just as a group and the enthusiasm around that, um, strong enough to maybe counter some of the environmentalists who've been holding on, um, the sort of older guard environment, environmentalists have been holding on super interesting. I think he's going to do a piece on that. So look forward to that, but worth worth, Everyone just sort of making a note of that because I think it's a really interesting conversation that not a lot of people are having. Um, so I want to want to pivot back for a moment to this treasury situation. So Treasury already said it's going to be auctioning off seven hundred and seventy six billion dollars in debt. Wednesday, I think before the Fed meeting, Janet Yellen's going to give details on the size of the auctions, the mix of the maturities. Jim Bianco was on with Ash, just on with Ash on the platform. And he's worried, about the impact of all the supply hitting. Let's have a listen to that and then we'll talk on the other side.
4: Just so everybody knows what we're talking about. Remember, we had the government shutdown for the first six months of the year and the treasury couldn't issue debt and they borrowed against, you know they did what was called emergency um, measures or extraordinary measures and they borrowed against government pension plans and everything else. And then when they were able to borrow in June, there was this massive burst of treasury bill issuance Well, Treasury bills are less than a year, and a lot of them are less than six months. And so they're coming, they're maturing now. There are, they have matured and they're maturing now. And the Treasury said that they're going to shift out that borrowing into longer term notes and bonds, five year notes, 10 year notes, 30 year bonds. And that's really got the market worried that it's going to be drowning in supply, which has been a, a narrative for pushing prices higher. Well, the Treasury is going to announce its borrowing um, expectations for the next quarter on Wednesday. And if we see that, that could be another catalyst. If we see that they are going to indeed plow straight ahead in issuing more notes and bonds and less bills, that could be another catalyst uh, for higher interest rates.
2: So, and interestingly, that was part of a crypto conversation. If there's not more evidence that macro and crypto are totally intersecting these days, Jim had some very interesting takes on how the treasury auctions will impact the crypto markets as well. Really fascinating conversation. That full interview is on the website. If you are joining us from YouTube and you are not a full RV member, you are missing out. Jump on a trial and come join our community. Uh, so, Tony, does it feel like there is a risk that rates continue to spike higher from here? I mean, we did have Jamie Dimon recently warning again about the possibility of 7%, saying the world's not ready for 7% rates. Does it feel like that's where Treasury yields are vulnerable on the upside?
3: Yes, I don't like my company there, but I have the same idea. I definitely think rates are going higher. Um, right now, this scenario in the market is like, you know, fascinating to watch. And I have to point out that I am a spectator in the cheap seats with no position on in treasuries. So, you know, that, that that's just um, something I feel I should put out there. We are leaning on the October 27th low or 23rd low, I believe it is, which is literally a low that was built on the tweet by Bill Ackman that said he covered his bond short and the tweet by Bill Gross that said, I forget what it was. Um, You know, something about lower rates, I'm sure, but I forgot what the details were. And, you know, all the people that are holding off and thinking that this is the low in bonds and that they're going to rally are kind of hanging their hopes on that. And I know that there's no way that a three-year rally, a three-year bear market in bonds ends with like these two guys tweeting about it, right? Like we need a major event um, before it's over. So, you know, they're they're up against, you know, the the issuers now, the Treasury, are up against foreign sellers. They see our national debt exploding. They see inflation rising. They see our Treasuries imploding. You know, the whole thing, that recession that's permanently on the horizon, the structural inflation that we have built in, it's not a pretty picture for the Treasury market right now. So, you know, there may be some relief rallies within this setup. But as long as we have this politically structural inflation there's not going to be much of a relief rally at all. right? It's just the longer we go with higher energy prices, the more expensive things are going to get. And so I think that's kind of the world that we're heading into.
2: Yeah. Someone had a question. I want to circle back and again, talk about what that might mean for stocks. But someone had a question about what you see happening with oil, what you see happening with WTI and Brent. Oil vol appears elevated. That's from Ralph.
3: Broadly speaking, oil vol is elevated um, and it can go a lot higher, right? Like historically, we've been through scenarios where it's been way higher than it is now. It's just starting to break out. So it's um, the the reason I think that it hasn't is kind of part and parcel what I was just about to say is that, first of all, since we made that 95 peak and failure from there, the price action has sucked, excuse my French, but it's mm-hmm. been terrible, right? So we're dealing with that. We're dealing with the fact that, you know, the world is starting to realize that that was sort of, you know, pre, you know, it had to do with a tighter WTI market, et cetera, et cetera. But that was a sort of pre Middle Eastern conflict sort of ramping rally. Right. And that's sort of when all of the unknowns are coming out. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody starts to get their head around what's, you know, where we're looking at and what we're about to happen. the narrative cools down a little bit about, you know, all the violence, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, WTI is backing off and saying, you know what, the reality is there are really no oil producing nations that are going to be affected by this. As you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, more than likely, anyway. And so now we're seeing a pullback. So the downside is a little vulnerable. Vulnerable, I would imagine that the funds have gotten a little bit longer with the curve remaining in backwardation and the price kind of holding up in the top of the range. Price seems vulnerable to the move to a, to a move to the downside now, and I would probably buy a dip, though. You know, it's still anticipating that we're going to see. With the seasonally low inventories, we're going to see, you know, fits and starts of of rallies back into the 90s. So that's my view on crude oil.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, and and at that level, not runaway, but still, it's not it's not like we're seeing a deceleration that's going to feed into the inflation numbers. So problematic for a Fed that's looking for that.
3: Well, the one thing that the Fed's got on their side is that we've seen gasoline prices come off pretty dramatically from the highs. We just had a recent you know, kind of glut there. Um, crack spreads backed off, inventories rose, and sort of the gasoline price backed off 20 cents. So that was good. Imagine that for the administration, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see if that, that lasts very long or not. But that's one thing that will factor in if prices stay down here.
2: Yeah. So if we're looking at a Treasury market, if we're looking at oil that has the potential to you know, have these moves higher, if we're looking at a Treasury yields, which definitely seem to have uh, the path of least, least resistant higher or the risk is that they move higher. Uh, presumably, that's going to be a tough environment for equities. Is it equities across the board or are we going to see one of these situations where there's certain segments that do well and others that bear the brunt?
3: A hundred percent, Maggie. We're going to see it's, you know, another season, another year of it's never been more important to be in the right sectors. You know, um, I think that rising interest rates are going to be persistent. They are going to be troublesome for the S&P, broadly speaking, for sure. Like, you know, today, NVIDIA cracked. And if we see kind of continuation of, you know, a pullback in the AI theme, a pullback that they, you know, um, uh some of the idea that they can't withstand much higher interest rates that'll definitely hold the indices back but you know there seem to be you know bull markets in the energy stocks i like the fact that we just had some recent consolidation in the field um there's bull market in uranium there's a bull market in home builders semiconductors are raging big tech is raging you know if you look at the uh, um, performance bitcoin's up 100% year to date yeah. You know, the big tech stocks, an index that I have is up 70%. That just includes all the big tech names. It's like FANG plus Intel, Microsoft, Tesla, and one or two other names. Semis are up 37%. Uranium is up 33%. Now, if you could have positioned for that back in January, you know, you're you're the Greek god of trading. You know what I mean? Like nobody could have seen that kind of layout coming. Right. Nobody could have seen the whole middle Middle Eastern situation coming. Nobody could have seen any of this. So that's what I mean by it's really important to pick the right sectors, get out of the ones. I mean, God forbid you got caught long solar stocks or cannabis stocks. You know, this year you're looking at 40 uh, percent and 20 percent of your money is gone. Yeah. And that that that's just a little bit too much to be able to stomach for my taste. Right. So that's just like a really important lesson right there, man. You know, if you're caught in that sector, you're, you know, you got to be really, really careful with your money and um, you know, make sure you're in the ones that are performing and have a bright future, like the ones that are on the top of the board here. But you know, everything is probably about to change into an election year. And I think volatility is going to continue to stay pretty high.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. So that on the tech front, so many people have just been looking for a total washout with tech. It's like You know, they 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 weren't in it for a lot of the year, as you said, Uh, you know, they they thought that it was already too expensive. And so they were on the sidelines or they were somewhere else. And so is there uh, and yet and yet you mentioned that hedge funds are short, you know, they're very short. How is that set up for the end of the year? Are we going to get some, you know, uh, people were trying to play catch up? And if these names just do not look like they're going to see much of it, not that they've not gone down from highs, they have, but you haven't seen this complete capitulation. A lot of them have been, it's been down off the highs, but it's not, you know, a bloodbath. You see people coming back in at the year end as they just try to sort of get those names on the book and get some upside, or is that still a problematic area? Is sentiment still piled up against that?
3: it's a tough call you know we have we have the seasonality of you know fourth quarter stock market performance generally being really solid right that that's sort of the uh you know the historic flow that the markets were just selling off against right so now maybe into this support level where you know the vix peaked at 23 hedge funds have gotten extremely short you know with prices have adjusted right if you look the stock you know these um Hot big name retailers and names like, uh, man, like Nike. And geez, I had the list in front of me, you know, Tesla, Nike, uh, Victoria's Secret. A lot of retail names are just down huge on the year. Huge.
2: Yeah. That's you know,
3: amazing. and so like there's an adjustment, right? Like the, the adjustments all over the screens, yeah. right? So it's not, it's, it's unfair to say that stocks haven't corrected yet, right? It's a lot of stocks that deserve to correct are correcting, and the ones that deserve to go up are going up. It's the same thing as it always has been. So, yeah, there's going to be vulnerable spots in the market, but there's going to be bull markets, too, and it's going to be the ebb and flow of that. And like I said, just more importantly, is, is staying in the right, making sure you're in the right lanes and out of the wrong ones.
2: We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Somebody just said, Tony setting the table like a pro, always. Uh, Next asks, what do you think about a barbell equity portfolio, 50% tech, 50% oil and gas to navigate this tumultuous macro environment? Of course, none of us, including Tony, give a- any advice, financial advice on what to do with anyone's portfolio um, because he doesn't know your risks or your time horizon. But roughly, <laughs> is that. Is How are you thinking about that interplay between tech and energy?
3: Yeah, you know, it seems, uh, I, you know, I, I actually kind of would, I, I would prefer to kind of keep those trades separate, quite honestly. The only thing I like about the barbell idea is that I love free weights. So that that's really the only, <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that I like about being able to, you know, that's just kind of a, that's kind of just rigid thinking to me a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're going to say, we're going to ride these two sectors out and see what happens. It's like, well, if rates go a lot higher and- Nvidia actually peaked and is on its way down. You're going to wear tech for a long way, man. I don't know if that's going to be any fun. You know what I mean? And God forbid, energy breaks. You know, oil breaks down through 80 into the 70s. And say again, you know, this first of all, there's a top. There, there's 11, 111 tops in the XLE at around 92, 93. It's something that I've like never seen before, and it's a sector that I'm so bullish that I have to have the conversation with myself and say, well, what if this fails? right there's literally a lid on this sector at the price and you know it's something that's worth considering that there could be a real pullback in that in that sector too although i don't think it could be a steep without a steep slide in oil because the market is not long energy stocks all we've seen all year is outflows so you know, it's a complicated cocktail, and that's why I don't like to just say, "Okay, let's ride this sector in this sector and, you know, kind of overweighted and see what happens, right? My I am totally open-minded to anything in this type of tape and news backdrop,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, I think which is so important. I love the the idea of having a conversation with yourself because you really, really need to do that. We all do so that we don't sort of get locked into to a narrative. Um on that, speaking of what's moving, you mentioned it briefly, Bitcoin, I mean, I think it's the best performing asset this year. I mean, it's a staggering year-to-date performance. Um, We've had seen a big move recently. Is is that on your radar? Are you doing anything around that? Are you watching it?
3: It's on my radar because I have to know what's going on. The thing is up 100% on the year. The chart looks unbelievable. It's jumped out of bed since the Hamas attacks, and I am not touching it. Right. Literally, I just have no edge there. Personally, there are definitely a thousand people that we can even have on to talk about, you know, what could happen to Bitcoin in the next two weeks to two years. Um, And I kind of sit here in the cheap seats once again, Maggie, and say, you know, it looks like, you know, kind of looks like it's behaving a little bit like a flight to safety asset, for Christ's sake, you know, and it could very well be it could have something to do. It could be, you know. I think of it like I kind of picture it in my head as maybe Bitcoin is sitting there staring at our national expenditures just spiking through the moon and saying, you know, let's just get out of dollars and treasuries in any way we can. And where does some of that money go, you know, into a smaller asset like Bitcoin and it has an outsized effect. So it doesn't shock me at all that. That uh, something like that is rallying. I just, I, I, and this is probably something that's even more bullish as a trader who's you know been in it on you know both ways for you know different periods of time and probably made some money overall. Um, I have no interest in touching it right now. Like I I just don't. I cannot buy Bitcoin at thirty-five k, and that probably means it's going a lot higher for the Bitcoin bulls. That's all I wanted to say.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. So uh, we, as you know, look at this closely and. Um, uh, you know, uh, you, you, if you have a short-term perspective or long-term perspective, is going to make a big difference, right? So I mentioned Jim Bianco is talking about some of the interplay with treasuries. That's important. Um, Noel... Aikson, who does uh, Crypto as Macro Now, her newsletter, she got into some of the sort of complicated cross-currents here. So I encourage everybody to do your homework on it, right? Don't don't sort of go through what everyone went through last time, which is just jump on the shiny object. Um, And we're going to be coming out with the Crypto Academy as well to really help you think about this in a measured way, create a framework, understand what's going on um, so that you can Benefit from it if it's something you want to invest in, but you don't maybe get caught up in some of the um, the hype and everything that we saw happen around last time. So um, do your homework, everybody, and we're going to help you do that as much as we can. Um, and Ash and the team will be all over it, um, as will Rao. Of course, Rao's b- picks in the beginning of the year were tech and crypto. So I'm sure he's, <laughs> sure he's going to be talking about it a lot because he's feeling pretty happy where things are right now. Got a question about banks. Um, From Dan, the breakdown in the BKX index, Tony, uh, you looking at financials? Does that concern you?
3: Um, yeah, you know, it's a sector that's lagging on the year. I'm trying to see where they are. They're kind of down 5% on the year, you know, so lagging the S&P quite a bit. Um, I got a feeling that they're adjusting to the rate, uh, to the curve steepening, right? To me, with the curve steepening and all of this violence that you just saw on your screens with certain sectors, you know, breaking down certain ones breaking out that's all like end of cycle stuff right that to me that could be a read on it being end of rate hike cycle stuff mm-hmm. and into you know uh, an easing cycle and maybe that's a scenario where the banks don't perform as well you know with a little lower interest rates where they did a little better with higher interest rates inverted curve maybe this is a scenario where they don't do as well so You know, it's reacting to that. I don't really have a heart attack down 5% on the year or anything like that. You know, they've had their moments in the sun. And, you know, it's kind of just one of those kind of cyclical sectors that just can't get up and go this year. Healthcare is down on the year. Staples are down on the year. You know, utilities are down on the year. You know, like it's, it's not shocking to me that financials are also dragging in what now looks like a pivotal rate environment where we could potentially be going towards an easing setup. And I'm not an expert on that either.
2: Yeah. Um, By the way, I cannot believe a lot of people want investment advice from the parrot. I can't believe that no one has tried to name the parrot in this chat. You have to get on your game, people. I know it's Tuesday. You were throwing off a Friday vibe. I can't believe no one's done that. Um, But Gordon is asking, and we'll probably, this will be the last one, like the price of gold here, almost ready to go back in. Gold, Tony?
3: Gold, I love with the the, I love the commodity itself. Um, I love the two hundred dollar round trip to a low of eighteen thirteen, and then back up through the moving averages to two thousand. You know, I mean that sell off was reversed in its tracks on the day of the Hamas attack in Israel. Mm. Uh, The the sell off literally stopped stopped going down and started roofing higher. So, you know, maybe some of this conflict is priced into gold, um, but it still looks like, you know, there are various scenarios where gold should have gone down and it didn't and didn't have to come back and rally, but it did. And so when something like that is going on, you know, you have to just look at it and respect it, right? That's not a freight train that I'm going to get in front of because once it gets through 2100, technically, there's probably going to be trend following buyers ripping each other's arms off to buy gold. So, you know, it feels like that we could be, you know, even though the oil supply doesn't seem like it's going to be affected by the Middle Eastern conflict, we could easily be one headline from a hundred dollar gold rally. You know, that that would be one of the least shocking things in the world that happens right now. And I'm actually positioned for that. So, you know, let, let's see where, you know, God forbid this heats up, you know, I mean, not something I even want to speculate, but it looks sure like there's going to be a scarier headline than the ones that we've seen.
2: Yeah, and it's so hard to game that out. Um, Tony, I, you, you always make me laugh with your visuals. But pe- rip, people ripping people's arms off is a good Halloween one to, to have. Ah, see what yet. I did
3: there? Thank back you for to your, noticing, back to Maggie.
2: Channeling your Jason, your inner Jason. Exactly. Uh, no, that was great. Great stuff, Tony. Thank you so much. We always love catching up with you. Thanks for the, thanks for throwing down the Halloween challenge. We weren't planning on doing it, but we all had a laugh.
3: Hey, Amen. I love it. I'm glad we got it all on today. That was an amazing <laughs> Halloween Network program.
2: <laughs> well, thanks, everyone. I hope uh, that if you have festivities planned for tonight, that you have a great time. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow for the daily briefing. And then Ral and I are doing a town hall, live town hall at 11 a.m. Eastern to answer your questions about the platform, the new platform, the new Exponentialist and Marketplace, Crypto Academy, anything else that's on your mind. And the team will be in the chat, too, if you're having particular technical problems so that we can find you and help you migrate over. So Roll up and join us for that. In the meantime, everybody take care and good luck out there.
0: People are going to lose their minds. This is a moment in
1: history unlike anything humanity's gone through. It's a very different world for humans to come. Take a step back and see the broad picture, which is the way all these technologies are interlinked. Because this is all about exponentiality, and humans can't think in exponential terms. How consequential do you want to say machine intelligence is? It's almost certainly as consequential as writing. How long did writing take to disseminate through the human population? You know, hundreds, thousands of years. And we're dealing with it now on a scale of months. But in this kind of world, you're compounding 100% growth every year and the numbers become astronomical. AI is going to spot patterns in the world that were just completely invisible to us. Even if you think that the AI and
0: the robots are your demise, You might as well bloody invest in and make some money out of it. If not, you're just gonna be angry man shaking your fists at the clouds. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy.